Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sea Change Podcast. I am your host, Jenna Valente, and this is your go-to show to meet the most interesting and inspiring people living, working, and recreating along our shorelines. So those of you that listened to last month's episode heard me say that I am committed to making this year the best year of podcasting yet, and I truly mean it, and that simply would not be an attainable goal if I did not welcome my friend and favorite co-host back to join me for at least one episode this year. That's right. You know him, you love him, and if you don't know him yet, go back through the show archive and listen to the at least three episodes that he has either been featured on or joined me as a co-host for to get to know him better, David Riera. Welcome back, co-pilot. It is great to be here with you, and thank you for joining me. Hey, como andan? Buenos dias, buenas tardes, wherever you're at. How are you? Always a pleasure, Jenna. Thank you again for having me back. Yeah, how does, is, it, how does it feel to be back? Ah, 2023 uh, is not uh, to be, uh, be loathed, right? This is, uh, this is what I keep telling my students and all the folks that I work with in the community. You've heard me say this before. Um, it's not just our year. Um, it is the year where everything just needs a glow up mm-hmm. you know <laughs> everything needs a glow up from the o- from the ocean to the coast across the mountains through the plains in the deepest soil you know to the to the highest clouds you know and i am it's it's a it, it's a it's a real treat to be back i'm sorry you know i i can represent that you know there, there needs to be a representation and i just love being on this in this space you know the space is a glowing space it's a it's a beacon you know it's it's like it's like a you know it's it's like a lighthouse you know and i and i feel like every time somebody tells me something about a previous podcast connecting it to another podcast it's um i feel it brings it brings people peace and it also motivates people to do more so i'm i'm ecstatic to be back yeah i'm ecstatic to have you back and i love having you as a co-host it's always so much fun um you always bring so much to the show so um, just super excited for you to be here. I also feel like all day I've had this like um, like custom version of that like Eminem song stuck in my head of the like, guess who's back, back again, David's <laughs> back, tell a friend. <laughs> I was like, oh, I need to tell David that I've been singing that in my head. It's going to make him laugh. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. You, you, you got me in, in my head. In my head, every time, every time you ask me to come back, I'm always thinking about the the song that I sent you. I was like, "It takes two to make a thing go right." Yeah, it takes two to make it out of sight. <laughs> yeah, right. So I, I already consider it a win because you're here, David. But I mean, it keeps getting better because we are joined by a fantastic guest today. Um, there's someone that. Their work feels so aligned with the focus of this show that when you, David, suggested we invite her on, it was a no-brainer. It was like an immediate, yes, please, let's make this happen. So um, in addition to being super excited that you're here, I'm also really excited for this conversation. Um, Fabiola Torres Toledo is the founder, president, and executive director of Conservation Opportunity which is a nonprofit organization based in Puerto Rico 
that connects people with paid and volunteer opportunities in the field of environmental conservation. And um, these opportunities are mostly in Puerto Rico and the United States. But this is an organization that is making information and opportunities in the conservation field way more accessible, and I love them for that. Fabiola, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Bueno, Fabi, siempre mana, bienvenida. It's always a pleasure to, to be in the same space with you. I think that, you know, our resonance and our reciprocity is just ever growing. Um, welcome to this podcast. And, you know, I really hope that our listeners uh, are as over enthusiastic as I am to be in this space with you and, and learn a lot more about you and the organization. Um, so, you know, will you walk us down your life path, you know, a bit, maybe share some moments that were pivotal in leading you to where you are now? Algo de, de importancia o, sabe, la cosa pequeña, something that just like sent you on this path. Yeah. So I think it, it was thanks to my parents, mainly my father. Um, he was a Boy Scout leader, and when he was younger, he used to be an Eagle. He got up to, you know, the higher rank being an Eagle Scout. And he kind of passed on to us, my brother and I, that passion for work in the field. And he's also an agronomer. So when I was young, he would take us to his farm and we would see the tractors. My favorite toys were tractors and he's also a surfer. So we would go and fish, we would go underwater and snorkel. He taught me how to surf and it just, it made me feel like it was my favorite backyard to have some fun because it was always filled with wonder. And yeah, so if I want to think about conservation opportunity but maybe we can talk about more about that later but um a pivotal moment to kind of make conservation opportunity a nonprofit and a thing here in puerto rico was how difficult was to find jobs and experience on the island to be able to pursue that as a career something that a lot of us here on the island love to do and love to appreciate and to work for, which is nature. Yo pienso que you're hitting it right on, on, on the, on the head, you know? Um, and one of the great things that I will mention about this community, you know, esta comunidad, you know, that that's out there for conservation and really protecting, conserving and restoring our, our natural resources, our wildlife, our plants and realigning with this connections is to say it's really comes in many languages in, in nuestro idioma. You know, the way we understand sometimes is the way that, you know, again, I was born into a Spanish speaking family and, you know, that was my first mm -hmm. language. I didn't learn English until I came uh, over here very, very young. And don't say, you know, I, I wanted to say that, you know, feel free. This is a space that, that translanguando, translanguaging, you know, they used to call it, <laughs> They used to call it Spanglish, <laughs> pero now we're, Spanglish. we're in a different, now we're in a different. <laughs> yeah, that's different, a new term for me. Yep. Now you, we're you in a different. trans what? Translanguaging, translenguando. That's the ability for us because, you know, something that me and Jenna have talked about before has been our abilities 
um, as bilingual, trilingual individuals that we sometimes are thinking in Spanish and talking English and that process, <laughs> sabe, that process takes cognitive load. And don't say, you know, it I, does. Wanted, I wanted to make sure for our listeners, again, no disrespect, but, you know, this is a little bit of us being ourselves, being our complete selves for you all. And don't say, you know, ideally Bye. that's, that's how it is. Vale. And don't say, you know, Dime, dime algo, eh, you know, your favorite ways to connect. You started talking about these connections that, that you've cultivated with your dad. And sorry, I've, I've, again, I've seen these great locations, you know, again, your honeymoon in a tree house. I've seen you. <laughs> that sounds I, amazing. Jenna, yeah. let me tell you, she has this amazing relationship with this horse. I can never remember the horse's <laughs> name. But Fred. She has, Fred, that's right, Fred. She what a great amazing, horse name. <laughs> and and so I, I, I guess, Fabi, you know, tell me, what, how do you connect with nature, either on land or on sea? Right. So I love to go fishing. Um, lately, we've been going to a spot near our new apartment in Fajardo, Puerto Rico. And it we learned that it has brackish water because we fished off a like a juvenile uh, tarpon, tarpon, I don't know how to say it, but that something like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, we, we just like to wonder and kind of see what we can find. I love hiking. I love the feeling of getting really, really, really tired while walking long distance. It just feels good and it helps me disconnect from being on the computer, which I get on a lot. And it helps to kind of boost up my energy again, like get recharged. And yeah, and as as a someone that works with the community a lot, I like to also see how the activities that I do with others and I get them engaged in them um i like to see how also happy and recharged that make them feel and it's just it's amazing so um yeah see ya veo ya veo fabi and i think that that's something you know key jenna and i think me both me and jenna and you you just hit a point conservation happens now a lot especially in our positions in front of the computer, you know, mm-hmm. night time, you know, that's like, it feels yeah. like it, it's a 24 hour job. Right. But I don't feel that the computer is that special place. I don't know, Jenna, what do you think? No, definitely not. And I, I think that was a beautiful thing that, that both of you brought up uh, that I feel really deeply in, you know, especially over the past few years with, um, you know, the COVID shutdown and everybody really going remote for the most part. And it's this like, lack of connection to humans, but also the connection to nature that I feel like that's something that is so deeply like ingrained as us, as just human beings of needing to feel whole and feeling recharged and feeling like we have a sense of purpose and belonging. And so it's been really interesting and difficult over the past, however many years it's been and still ongoing to have that separation and sort of normalize it, internalize it in a way of like, okay, I I sort of 
work from home and like live at work and I wake up every day and I sit in front of my computer screen and I'm doing conservation work. And like for a lot of us, like, you know, all of us sitting here talking to each other, so much of what we do is about that human connection and our connection to natural spaces. And Mm -hmm. there is just this like electricity that feels like it's sort of taken out of the work that we do sometimes when, um, when we're sitting in front of a screen all day. And so, um, I, I feel like this is sort of a meandering path that I'm on right now with this thought, but it's like, just maybe for listeners to, to like, think about that and like how that disconnect has been impacting you, um, and maybe your work. And, uh, you know, if you feel like you're a little bit starved for connection to people and, and nature, um, that could be like a good challenge for the next, you know, day, week, month, year is try to be a little mindful of of that and spend some time outside, no matter where you live, whether it's in an urban place or out in, you know, a more remote area, um, there's opportunity there to get some fresh air and, and feel the sun on your skin and, you know, maybe run into some wildlife or people out there and and just remember what what this whole life experience is really all about. And I, I think that that's something that recharges me too. Um, and, you know, Fabiola, I'm really interested in hearing about, like you said, you love to fish and you love to go on walks. And as long as these are not secret spots, because, you know, I come from a, a long <laughs> line of people that love to fish and, you know, there are a lot of hunters in my family and some of them hold their places near and dear to their hearts and kind of protect them. So that's totally fine. But are, are there places that are particularly special to you that you love to visit or find solace in when you're, you know, feeling a little bit drained or like you need to de-stress? Definitely. Yeah. So um, La Parguera, Puerto Rico is on the southwest side of the island. And you go there and the best way to enjoy that is if you either rent a boat or go on a boat tour or if you have your own boat of course go with your own boat and go into the different um gallos which is like the different keys and you get there you know wrap up on the mooring and dive in the water and there's so much fish and coral and people hanging out and it's it's just so vibrant and there's a there in an area that's called the wall so you get to dive there and see that wall of just reef that goes down and then sometimes you see um uh reef sharks at the end of it just hanging out there or nurse sharks and everyone's doing their thing and you know people think that oh my gosh you saw a shark down there and I'm like yeah it's so cool um so it's it's, (laughs) and people are very afraid of them but they're they're just chilling down there and they don't care about you well if they notice you they might swim away um yeah so it's it's amazing place uh La Parguera for hiking lately I've been going up in El Junque um which it's like the perfect example for like a ridge to reef ecosystem because you literally have rivers that start up there and then reach the ocean and you can see the connection from up the mountain and all the way where it reaches the ocean 
and it's amazing view. Um, so that's a good spot for hiking and birding. Um, yeah, those, those are my top two right now. I can tell you so much more. I can make you a list if you come to Puerto Rico. <laughs> I know, it's, it sounds like David and I need to take a trip and we can do like oh, part two do. of this podcast. Like uh, we can do like part video, part podcasting and then yeah. all, not part, all fun. Me parece bien and, and not, not to interrupt, but Fabi, you know, uh, I, I read yeah. somewhere that que, que Yunque is the only cloud forest in the northern hemisphere you know making wow. it making it yunque i think probably you know one of the seven wonders of the of the natural world no hey how important yeah is we've that been pushing it yeah we've been pushing it to be a, a wonder <laughs> it's not quite on the list yet but we we want it to be um yeah it's pretty amazing and very unique specifically because when you get here to Puerto Rico, um, it's very weird how you can be on the east side of the island where Junque is. It's on the north east side. And then if you cross the island, which you can do within three hours and that's it. We're pretty small. Um, and you cross the island and then you reach a desert forest. So it's very weird and the change of ecosystem is, is amazing and also in species and all, and all, but El Junque is very, very unique. It's loved by people in Puerto Rico. When, when you ask the Puerto Rican, like what to do when you get there, they're like, well, you can go to El Junque. It, it's mainly on first on the list and, and we love it. And we're very proud also about our Puerto Rican parrot, which is, we have an aviary there. It's an endangered species and we're having to, we're working hard to have the population of that endangered species grow and um, also moving it in other sites of the island like Rio Bajo and yeah. That sounds so amazing. I'm just sitting here like making a little list of like must travel, must see places. I've been wanting to go to Puerto Rico for a really long time. Um, it sounds like such a special place. Um, and so David tells me that not only do you dive, but you also are a dive instructor. Is this correct? That is correct. I'm a so patty I, open water scuba diver. I'd love to just hear more from you about, you know, what diving means to you and, you know, is it big um, for people to do in Puerto Rico? Um, you know, what what is that experience like of, of diving in, in Puerto Rico? I know you talked about the sharks a little bit and, and some of your favorite places to go, but I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, so it definitely gives you another perspective and it's pretty amazing to have a student come in scared. Of course, it's not amazing that they're scared, but to have them start scared and then become slowly comfortable in the water to the point that you're like, all right, I'm going to certify. You got this. And they're so happy they get that access to a new environment where, you know, that's that's how you get to it through scuba diving. Um so I really enjoy it a lot just because I, I'm that, um, I'm that person that can help 
people get there. And I, I've gained the knowledge to be able to deal with different situations in a safe matter. I'm a safety freak when it comes to um, teaching, particularly because, you know, you want to make sure that you, you certify people that are, are really are ready. Um, but yeah, once you do, you know, it, when you go diving here in Puerto Rico, there's so many different sites. You get areas that are with patches, kind of like with coral patches and a lot of sand. And then you got other areas that are just filled, filled with corals. And you got reef sharks and you got, apparently we've, we've gotten even orcas down here. I've never seen one, but I've seen videos of people showing orcas passing through the island, which is uh, <laughs> insane. What, like, that would be so magical. I like, I feel like if I saw that, my, my mind would just explode. <laughs> I know. Explode. I would be freaked out to be sincere. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm in the water and I see that, like, <laughs> yeah, oh. I'd, I'd be thinking to my, I'd be thinking to myself, I, I, you know, I hear, I hear that, uh, that they don't necessarily eat human beings, but I always look pretty tasty, you <laughs> yeah. know, so I don't want to be a killer whale's treat. <laughs> I'm not trying to yeah. be the first one, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like I'm not a foca, I'm not a foca. <laughs> I see. How do you say also, foca, David? How do you say foca? A seal. A seal. Yeah, yeah I'm seal. not a seal. <laughs> yeah, we, we look like we look but, like seals, especially me. I'm a little rounder in the middle, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that that tasty treat that gets them to the next uh, thing. But you know, it, it's amazing you mentioned that because you know it's not been their historic, their historic grounds like their hunting yeah. grounds, their traveling grounds, and so this this mm -hmm. really is, um, you know, in you know, as we move through this to, to consider like, you know, the impacts of like climate change and stuff like that. But, right. but I, I, I digress. I digress because the, the connection here, it, it, you know, to climate and you, you hit it on the head, you know, because I think que la isla del encanto, no? it has mm -hmm. so many things to offer, as you've already mentioned. And you already started talking about the critical connections that you have not just through diving, not just through fishing, pero que mas, you know, que lo que te enamoras del el océano? Like, what are, what are you loving about the ocean? Like, what are your physical and emotional experiences? You know, if you have those experiences, me parece que sí, ¿no? Pero... Claro, <laughs> claro no, que like, sí. Like, que, te, que te motiva, que, you know, like, what is, what pulses behind? I always talk to people about how one of the things we have in common in the planet is that the percentage of water that covers the globe is the same percentage of water that we have in our hearts and our mm -hmm. minds, you know, yeah. and, and that that's something that people really need to start grasping with that, you know, intelligent design, evolution, whatever they believed in that, you know, the percentage of water content that is in this blue green sphere that we call home is also critical to us thinking and us feeling. So, right. dime, dime uh, tú. Yeah. No accident. Pues es nuestra madre, David. Es nuestra madre. Eh, es quien nos da comida. It's like our, our mother. It's mm. Mother Nature. It's the one that gives us food. It gives us shelter. Like, because of the ocean, I can go out and have some food. 
I can go out and, you know, my food has food. <laughs> I can go out and be in the water that reminds me maybe of being in my mother's belly when I was a baby. God That's, knows, you know, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. that freshness and that, you know, weightlessness uh -huh. Uh, uh -huh. of just connecting and, and, and being and maybe even zoning out for, for some time and being quiet. Oh, our, our life is filled with so much noise and going back to scuba diving, all you hear is bubbles and you don't have to hear someone else talking to you. You don't really have to talk to someone else, but if you do feel the need, you are going to do some hand signals or some really funky noises like if you see <laughs> something cool <laughs> been there done been there done that and and yeah. then they also they also have uh, uh jenna i don't know if you've been diving but they also have like these tappers on the tank so you yeah, know, ding, if, ding, you're, ding, if ding. you're good yeah if you're good at morse code right because mm -hmm. being like like what fabi said you know as somebody who i guess goes through ptsd every day um you know, being in the ocean, and again, I, I've been cleared on several occasions. Uh, I've had my issues with clearing and when I'm down there, but I still, I fight to mm. be in the ocean. Um, it is that sense of weightlessness. The, the bubbles are very crucial. Um, but the fact that you could hear sound over a larger space, but you're underneath waves, 60, 70, 80 feet, it's something you know, it's something both ethereal, but it's something where you're connected to everything and nothing at, at once. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, I mentioned this intersection, you know, personally, because this thing is where my health as a human being, you know, intersects with what that health looks like, you know, in the ocean um, and in the, in the, in, you know, across the planet. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. I think that there's, you know, it's, it's so much of it is like, you're so you're able to zone out and be like hyper-focused at the same time. And that is something that's so rare these days with all of the noise and distractions that we have around us at all times. Mm -hmm. It feels like, um, you know, it, it takes so much to regulate our central nervous systems and, and sort of just being held by the ocean and, and so present, you're not worrying about the future. You're not thinking about the past. It's like you're just in this space and just being there and showing up there in that moment. I think it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, and like what a privilege it is too. I recognize that as as um, someone that has, you know, I've, I've only really ever grown up in states that have coastlines, so I've been able to get to the coast. Um, but you know, those are experiences that like, yes, we can find that in the ocean, but those are, those are special moments that I feel like we can find, um, in any body of water or, or um, any space that sort of calls you to be more present. I think those are mm -hmm. moments that we're trying to lean a little bit more into these days, or at least I am. Yeah. And, you know, I think something else that I find interesting about, hosting this show is, I mean, 
how fortunate am I to be able to speak to like all of the people that I've had on all these brilliant people like yourself. Um, but we get this look into what a healthy ocean means and what it looks like to everyone, which there are similarities, but there are also like sometimes really specific things that are unique to like your individual experience with the ocean and diving or what have you. So I'm curious to hear more about like when you picture a healthy ocean or healthy planet, what do you see? What does that look like to you? I guess very dynamic, um, very vibrant and colorful or because also like if I think about the desert, the desert is a little bit different. It might not be the tropics like here, but um, but if, if I think about the tropics, which is most of my experience, it will be vibrant, colorful. It will have noise as well. And thinking about the noise, I was, I was thinking that when you do go diving and listen, I did mention that, you know, it's nice and quiet and you hear bubbles. But then I thought about an experience that I've had listening to, to whales. Mm. Um, underwater sounds go travel pretty far. And I, I even have a video of me diving and, well, you just see whatever I'm filming. And, <laughs> and you can hear in the distance the whales. And I don't see them, but I can hear them. And I think that is a sign of health. Being able to see nice, bright colors of sea urchin, corals, fish, hearing the shrimp making its little tick, 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 tick sounds. Because <laughs> um, you can tell when you're down there, you hear tick, 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 tick all the time, and it's either fish feeding on coral or picking on sand and the shrimp and then you hear the whales in the distance I'm like that's there okay we're here this is healthy um unfortunately um it it is something that has been impacted and it looks very different nowadays than it used to be in the past and so that you know that's that's a solid that's a singular truth you know and, and we know with just in just in the past couple of years you know con la tormenta and you know the storms the hurricanes that has really impacted the island you know Bobby you know what what are you noticing I mean you started hitting it already on the head but what are you noticing that climate change you know the time impactando a Puerto Rico and you know again for all those listening Puerto Rico's part of a of a greater island ecosystem called the Caribe, right? So, you know, how mm -hmm. are you seeing it in Puerto Rico? And since you work on the ground, like, like I always tell fins in the water, boots on the ground, <laughs> you know, um, how are you hearing from the, uh, from other folks that, that you might come across from the other islands? Like how are these impacting how, you know, we're, we're faced with some of the biggest storms that that yeah. has that has impacted historically but in our lifetime mm -hmm. yeah i think we've we've gotten two of those already here on the island so um 
some of the models that are pe being put out there say that because of climate change, we're going to have a higher impact and a higher number of um, hurricanes forming. And we're right in the middle of it. Puerto Rico is right in the middle of it. Um, and also, we have a lot of underwater disease happening. Right when the pandemic started, um, SCTLD started popping up and spreading pretty pretty viciously in the Atlantic and Caribbean. And SCTLD is stony coral tissue loss disease, which is what I would call the underwater pandemic. Um, so it's the disease that attacks hard corals and it spreads really fast. I think it started in Florida, if I'm not mistaken, and it's it's gotten a bunch of the islands down in the Caribbean and it has spread through currents. So just like COVID that spreads through through the air, then this one spreads through the water. So this waterborne disease killed a lot of corals on the island. And within a week or a month, you can see some of our coral reefs dying off about 50%, sometimes even a little bit more. Um, wow. So it's, it's been looking very different. And we think that climate change is, is part of that issue. And we have another one that started, I think, last year that is affecting um, sea urchins. And yeah, it's killing some of the, the sea urchins here. Yeah, well, yeah, because, you know, originally, you know, one of the biggest one of the biggest topics when I was doing my degree in marine biology was still you know, coral bleaching, you know, and that's mm. when, uh, you know, that's when all of the, the little critters, right. The little organisms that live in the, in the coral, uh, are like, Hey, I'm out of here because it's getting too hot or it's getting mm -hmm. too acidic. But like now, yeah. Yeah. But now look at that. Now there's a full blown, like what Fabi just said, an underwater pandemic and, you know, yeah. you, human beings are, are, are really cool with, Hey, we're out of the pandemic zone. And nobody has ever some of mentioned. Us, yeah. yeah, some of us. Again, let me not let me just, let me not put all of us in the same realm. Because I'm still healthily, I still have healthy concerns, especially when I'm in in the classroom and stuff like that. But, um, but I, you know, again, this is the kind of things that you do not really hear about because, you know, you have an above ground pandemic that's affecting humans, but this below mm -hmm. the waves, below the water pandemic this is getting this is getting you know something to the point where as we're getting over quote unquote i'm doing huge air quotes <laughs> as we're getting over a pandemic okay we are now we are now seeing the deterioration through similar ways like you mentioned you know our pandemic uh, was in the air this pandemic is underwater but mm -hmm. if we lose our underwater ecosystems that you know, that, that supports us, que lo respalda nosotros para sobrevivir, for us to be surviving and be healthy and try to thrive. If we lose them, then it's not too far from what, from us just losing ourselves. Yeah, I think that's, that's such an important point too, because like so much with ocean conservation and ocean health, it's so much of it is just out of sight, out of mind, because we're terrestrial beings for the most part, right? And like, so we don't see it. A lot of us don't see it happening. And that's why these conversations are so important is for us to be like 
hey, let's flag this for our listeners. Like, I bet there are people out there that are like, I had no idea what this coral disease is or this urchin pandemic is. And I want to learn more, right? And so it's like sparking this curiosity and and um, interest in in getting involved. And I think that that you know is a perfect segue to talk more about conservation opportunity um, because my understanding is that sort of what you all are doing is 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 providing this information and sharing these opportunities for anybody that wants to get out there and do something and get involved to have a place where they can go and learn more about volunteer opportunities and career opportunities. Um, will you talk a little bit more about the organization and, and what drove you to, to, um, to start this whole thing? Yes. So Conservation Opportunity is a nonprofit organization incorporated here in Puerto Rico that has the mission of connecting people with environment with ah, connecting people with opportunities related to environmental conservation and also helping people um that want to work for conservation as like a career also help them advance in that career um and we also do mentoring um we share on our social media pages and website, um, these different opportunities that it's it's not necessarily just us, which right now in Puerto Rico, we are the only group that is sharing with uh, opportunities related to, to this field um, that other organizations have. So we share from Para Naturaleza, Protectores de Cuenca, the DNER, the Department of Natural Environmental Resources here, opportunities with all the groups that are working very hard for conservation on the island, we are sharing that information. Um, before us, there wasn't really anywhere people could go to learn what are the groups that are out there, what are the positions currently in Puerto Rico. And if you were to search that yourself, you had to go in more than 30 sources of media websites, Facebook groups, um, um, social media sites from the different organizations to see what's happening. And we are daily sharing these opportunities for you and making that search um, more accessible. Aside that, besides that, we also do um, our own project. So going back to SCTLD, the Stony Coral Tissue Loss Disease, we are part of a group of volunteers that go and treat this disease. We are trained by the Department of Natural and Environmental Resources to go out into the water and treat corals as patients <laughs> for this disease. Um, aside that, we also have um, beach cleanups. We have, we plant trees. We do a collaboration with farmers so people know what um, activities they could do in a farm that are sustainable, that are good for the ecosystem, um, like ag agroforestry. We do so much. <laughs> um, and this is this is me as a volunteer because conservation opportunity is managed by volunteers. So all the time I have off after my full-time job, 
I dedicate it for this initiative because I truly believe in it. And um, I have an amazing group of volunteers that also believe in it and help me out. And, and yeah, we've even done activities for the, um, we call the hearing impaired, I think it's the word, mm -hmm. um, la comunidad con diversidad auditiva. So, um, so we've had activities where we brought a group um, and we also had it had sign language interpreters. So, you know, this is not only being accessible to people that are from the hearing community, but also from people that have a diverse um, hearing experience because we have people that are deaf and we also have people that have like not complete deafness, but like partial deafness and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, we're trying to make it as inclusive as, as possible, these experiences, so people can come in, join, and do hands-on work for nature here on the island and also share how they can have experiences with other groups on the island. Yeah, and first of all, I want to say thank you for all of the work that you're doing because it's incredibly important and you're doing a lot and especially having it be like a volunteer position. So you're, you know, you're doing a lot of work all day and then it's like you you do this and I think that what you're offering through this organization is so incredibly important and as I was listening to you, I just was like kept having this thought of like, wow, I really wish that when I was younger and sort of navigating these feelings of, you know, what am I going to do with my life and where am I going to go? I had to have this like awakening of realizing that I could even have a career or job or um, sort of volunteer in the conservation space. I was someone that always felt deeply connected to the outdoors um, in that I really enjoyed being outside and spent most of my time outside, but I, I, it like never really clicked to me that I could, um, have a career in this space until like kind of a little bit later than I feel like, you know, a lot of people, um, realize that, you know, what they want to do with their life, I guess, which is like, uh, as an aside, like who even really knows now what they want to do with their life, but like, <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, we're all just, we're all right just trying our hardest. Yeah. But <laughs> doing our best. But I think, we are doing you know, like once, once I was like, oh, wow, I, I could, I found an internship at a wildlife refuge and that was sort of what got my foot in the door. But um, I had to do exactly what you said is like, go to like 20, 30 different websites and, and look for these opportunities and then put in different applications through different places. And like, what a time saver and incredible resource you have pulled together that I, younger me would have very much appreciated <laughs> and now <laughs> current me still does. <laughs> well, no, that's true, yeah. Jenna. I mean, I mean, when we really think about it, you know, you're, you're all talking about resources. <clears throat> if we really look at Green 2.0's reports, you know, conservation organizations in general still have, they're all working towards, a good majority, I should say, are working towards you know, diversity and inclusion, you know, especially during this, this past decade when we're talking about environmental justice movements and especially how that movement is getting younger and younger. And I think, what, what, you know, and this, this is not escape 
you know, Puerto Rico. I, I think, you know, the, one of the things that we'll continue to tap dance around here, because, you know, obviously this is not a, a political space, but the reality is that a lot of the environmental leadership um, at the higher ranks in Puerto Rico, since it is annexed to the U.S., is they're installed. And a lot of times those folks are not, you know, like what you were mentioning, Jenna, you were, you know, you're rooted in the outdoors, so to say. You're, you know, you have mm -hmm. roots in the outdoors. And I think that Fabi being somebody who has roots in the outdoors, roots in the ocean and roots in Puerto Rico and being able to cultivate and finding and, and bringing all of those resources to bear on one place is really alumbrando. It's shining, like I said from the beginning, a, uh, a lighthouse to help others who are struggling to find it. Because, you know, we just said the resources were there, but if you have to go to 30 places to find the resources, you still need to put, you know, you got mouths to feed, you got, you know, you know, woos over heads and stuff like that. And being a young professional, especially on an island, where environmental jobs might not be paying enough, you know, mm -hmm. trying to find those become difficult. And I think that that's one of the excellent things that that Conservation Opportunities is doing. They're not just working on their own project, but they're creating an, ex an excellent network. Gabby is a connector. Let me tell you, you know, we met originally when she was finishing her degree in California, you know, and, and when yeah. she was... Yeah, when she was doing her internship, you know, through through Hispanic Access Foundation, and we just continued to talk and she had me on one of her workshops, we were able to do kind of like a resume building workshops. And so she really mobilizes su comunidad, you know, in la comunidad que está en la isla and, and the community that that's outside, because, again, something to consider is that those resources a lot of times are in English. And yeah, mm -hmm. many, many people that are in Puerto Rico, you know, are bilingual, pero algunos no. Right. And so, you yeah. know, you might find the resource, but right. And it shouldn't be like that because I hate to say it, environmental conservation, you know, it doesn't know any language. It just knows that we need to be healing and we need to be in alignment. And don't say, um, Gabby, can, can you, can you tell us, Fabi, like apart from these amazing impacts that you're having on your, on your projects, um, are there any projects that you are like, Man, I'm I'm gonna kick this off in 2023. Like we said in the beginning, 2023 is the year of the glow up. You know, <laughs> are 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 there any one of those projects that you could you know share with us, or maybe if they're not under wraps yet, you know? <laughs> no, yeah. Um, so I we do have like a full on schedule for the year already up to October. Um, but I think. Something that I really enjoy doing and want to continue doing throughout the years is participating and being creating an event for Latino Conservation Week. Um, it it helps a lot to have Hispanic Access Foundation help a little bit with kind of like the cost of some of the things we need to create a really good event. So that's something that I'm really looking forward to continue doing for something that I'm looking forward to as well is continuing to connect people with, um, I don't know if auditory diversity is the right word in, in English. I, I just don't want to, yeah, diversidad yeah, auditiva. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, yep. yeah, so, um, 
I kind of like to use that better than like hearing impaired or something. So hmm. um, using that, uh, like connecting them as well to our activity and our information, because unfortunately here in Puerto Rico, they sometimes they some people graduate from like 12th grade and they still don't know how to read. Um, and like they know sign language, but that's, that's about like the major education that, that they get and, and reading, like you're like, Oh, you know, you put subtitles on your videos and the people will understand. Well, not everyone. Um, so sometimes you do need a sign language interpreter to be able to connect more. So I'd like to continue doing that. Um, and I guess getting the tax exemption is another thing that we're really working hard towards. I think we'll really start the year on the right foot if we finish off the paperwork to, to get tax exempt. And that would open doors for so much more. And hey, maybe, you know, create our own positions and do what my vision is for conservation opportunity that's having like a staff, paid staff, and also creating more jobs around the island, helping other organizations and other projects because, um, yeah, there, we need people on the ground. There's barely jobs here for conservation and there's so many groups that need the help. So we'd like to be that helping hand. Yeah, same April. Yeah, I think that that's one of the one of the one of a key takeaway too, Jenna, is that <clears throat> a lot of times when we're looking at POC or people of color and organizations that we build, you know, having all of these legal and, and, and types of ways like getting a tax exempt and actually mm. being able to get grants and then cultivate funding opportunities mm -hmm. that is not stopping us, you know? And I think that what I've noticed from Fabi and especially in con conservation opportunity, again, fins, fins in the ocean, fins in the water, boots on the ground, y no para, right? It's, it's something that's on the schedule, but you know, the work needs to continue to do because if not us, then who? If not mm -hmm. now, then when? You know, and I and I feel like what Fabi has really cultivated in, you know, or is, you know, is cultivated, continues to cultivate, is like this like a super being, right? And and I'm I'm getting a picture of Comuna of a hive, of a of a beehive, right? And so, <laughs> you know, what people might not know is that. Fabi's not just, you know, a diver. She's a beekeeper, too. Whoop, whoop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear more about this because I, too, am a beekeeper. Tell us about how do you hear the buzz in, in, in the connection? You know, this really completes it. Because bees are, are like this, tu sabe, la abeja, es algo, you know, something spiritual. You know, when mm -hmm. people think, when, when people think of uh, like the little, the little spirit animals from uh, Harry Potter, I always think, think of myself like this little bee. <laughs> like your Patronus? That. Yeah, my Patronus <laughs> is like this little, this little bee and people are like, oh, is that it? And what they don't know is with that little bee comes a million others that are behind me. 
Yeah, and I was I, gonna mm-hmm. ask: is it a is it a singular bee or is it a whole <laughs> is it a whole colony of them? <laughs> it's it's the entire colony, right? It, it's on, it's on, it's the ancestors. Son los espíritus mismo, you know. So tell me, tell us. I want to hear the buzz. Tell me how the buzz is, is affecting you. How have you grown with the buzz? <laughs> well, the buzz got mixed with wild bees, and they're kind of oh. mean now. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, I. So we, my husband and I, also have a place in Arizona. And we got some bees, put some boxes, and it was great. Um, we, you know, bees kind of almost take care of themselves. So they, they love the wildflowers in the desert. And and I, I got to a point that I could inspect a hive without my suit until they got mixed with the freaking wild bees. And now I need a suit. they will attack me as soon as i get like 10 feet away from the hive it's insane wow beekeeping is still fun um it's i like that you to inspect a hive you need to be very observant and look for you know does it have are there eggs or do they have the bee bread is there any like diseases do i see the queen and it's kind of very therapeutic maybe i said mm-hmm. it weird therapeutic therapeutico yeah it's like therapy it really is i think that there's this this like thread that we're weaving through this conversation of sort of exploring your internal world and the external world and the connections that, you know, and similarities that we see in both. And I think for, I really relate to everything you just said about like having to really be observant and um, pay attention when you're inspecting a hive. And I think one of the biggest things for me that I really love about beekeeping is this sense of calm and like regulating your own like emotions and reactions to what is seemingly a like intense situation. So like the first time I ever interacted with my bees, you know, it's like everything inside of me is screaming, like, don't do that. Don't, (laughs) don't touch that box don't shake that box of bees into a box like you know what are you doing and then they're all like flying around you and it's this like sense of calm amidst the chaos that I feel like is such a beautiful feeling and important life lesson that spans like well beyond just spending time with your bees mm-hmm. yeah fun fact um my husband proposed putting a my ring inside a hive in one of the frames. <laughs> what? He zip tied it. He zip tied it at the end of one of the frames, and and he was like, "Oh, let's inspect this other box," and and he wanted me to inspect it. I'm like, "Oh, you can do it. I'll just like take pictures." Um, and he was really insistent of, of me 
you know, inspecting the box. I'm like, fine. And then so I started picking them and inspecting every frame until I got to one. And there was this shiny thing at the end of it. I was like, wait, is that a ring? (laughs) (laughs) You're like, what? They made a diamond? (laughs) (laughs) What kind of wildflower did I have to get the pollen to get this? (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah, like clams. You get like a a pearl. pearl. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. So we have like our pictures with our our bee suits. <laughs> and romantico. Romantico. Super romantic. Yeah, super romantico. Yeah, I you know. I'm like everyone else has gotta step it up after you hear that. I see a you know, so I mean as we start pulling like this jigsaw on, on who you are and, and the work that you do, Fabi, you know, again, hacer consciente que el trabajo esto está pasando en Puerto Rico, you know, what do you want people, all these listeners that are going to be listening to this podcast in perpetuity, um, to be mindful when they visit Puerto Rico, number one, and then number two, how can we the listeners and the people that we then talk to, because this is an amazing podcast, by the way, I'm patting myself on my back the whole time. I know I'm proud. Mm -hmm. I'm proud of all of us. This is a great conversation. Now I just want to hang out with you both. (laughs) 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 But, you know, how, how can you recommend that folks on this side, you know, how can we support Puerto Rico, especially in terms of, of conservation, you know, in terms of conservation, because I feel like there's a lot of stuff going on, you know, both politically and apolitically um, that always, always, always adversely affects conservation on the island. And, you know, like you have mentioned, when the climate change is happening and the hurricane and the storms are happening, I feel like it leaves the environment open for opportunistic and not necessarily heartfelt work mm-hmm. on the island. Yeah, so for how can we like people be mindful when they come here and visit Puerto Rico? Um, so for tourists, use sunscreen. We're close to the equator, you'll get sunburned. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so sad to see people that are really light skin that come to Puerto Rico and they either refuse to use it or just add a little bit and then doesn't add like every two hours or something like that. That even I need to use sunscreen every two hours or else I'll get red. And you see so many tourists getting, they look like walking lobsters because they're <laughs> so, so red. Um, and that being said, use reef safe sunscreen um even though you're like oh i'm just one person it'll dilute in the water it'll be fine but if you're a tourist you're likely to go to other places where more tourists will go that also have sunscreen and it does affect reef and if you have reef safe sunscreen which you can go and check in the descriptions on the back of the uh on the on the sunscreen that you're buying it's gonna say it you can ask the person like hey do you have reef safe sunscreen or google it buy it get it because it does affect reef and also 
when you're out there and you're taking pictures, be mindful of your surrounding. Um, think about like if there's any water movement, am I gonna like hit this coral? Am I gonna hit this person who might hit, you know, and this whole thing? Um, be mindful of the corals and other sea life and am I gonna brush onto it when I'm trying to take this photo? Um, don't grab onto uh, corals. Some of them might be, you know, uh, fire coral and it will <laughs> sting a lot. Or even though it, it might not hurt you directly, you could hurt sea life. So try and keep your distance or just tell your tour guide to take a picture for you or of you and um, try not to bump into anything because they do get stressed out and some of them could die. Um, so that's something that I have uh, for for people that come to Puerto Rico. Um, practice leave no trace. And also if you want to support conservation on the island, if you go to a natural area and you see trash, bring a bag, grocery bag with you and take some of that trash back to your Airbnb or your hotel and toss it away. Um, we always need hands um, in our beautiful natural spaces to be nice and clean because it does affect not only the beauty of the area, but also the, the environment there and the species. Yeah, and I think you, that's important. Yeah, I think I yeah. think that that's highly I think that that's highly important. And you know, we say it a lot, which is this con this this concept of leave it better than we found it, right? Mm -hmm. And right. and I think mm -hmm. and I think and I think Jenna, no matter how much we say it as a euphemism, you know, that's that's a huge challenge. Um, you know, to to the culture, the thought. A lot of people think, hey, I'm on I'm on vacation. People should, you know pamper me i shouldn't be pampering the environment but yep. at the same time we're really quick to say you know leave it better than we found it mm -hmm. yeah or like someone else is gonna take care of this and it's like why not you though like you're here and you are clearly visiting this place or really anywhere you go but in this case puerto rico because it is so naturally stunning and beautiful and awe-inspiring so make sure that we leave it better than we found it. And, you know, like don't stand on the reef. Think about the sunscreen you're wearing. Like just practice mindfulness in all that we do, I think is so important. Um, right. Just to help make sure that we're able to continue to enjoy these things for generations and generations to come, just forever. Um, and so I think, you know, also for listeners too, like – this show, a lot of what we try to get at is um, like a little snapshot into the life of somebody that does really interesting and important work in the climate field and conservation field, um, because we do have a lot of sort of young professionals or people that maybe are trying to um, maybe change their, their job and are just curious about learning about what the opportunities are out there. And so, so much of this conversation is kind of framed around, uh, you know, illustrating that. And part of what um, I think is important to talk about with this work that we do, and I'm sure that, 
you know, we could go on for like an entire podcast just focusing in on this, even though it might be kind of depressing, but um, is like being real about what are some of the more challenging aspects of the work. Um, so people can be like not walking into it just completely unaware. So I'm wondering when you think about the work that you do, what comes up and what comes to mind for you as like the most challenging parts of it? Um, maybe dealing with people that are not very knowledgeable on, on what is a good practice. Um, because unfortunately some people just come out with the habit of like, okay, I'm done with this. I'll toss it to the side. And, and, you know, that creates a dirty environment or, um, if you have a fish and you want that fish to survive because you don't, you can't take care of it anymore. So you toss it to a stream and now you have... (laughs) an exotic species and it becomes um, invasive and it affects the whole ecosystem. Um, So that is a big problem on the island. Um, And then as an organization dealing with um, all the issues that are here, on the island um well we're not dealing with all of them but dealing with some of them it it's really tiring because i'm one and we're a small group and we Mm -hmm. need so much help um i have a 40 hour a week job and then i dedicate from 10 to 20 hours a week to the nonprofit. So it's very, it's, it's I get tired. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes if, you know, if we could just have some funding to have like someone paid for, for like a full-time <laughs> position or part-time position could help us a lot. Um, but you know, that comes in, in, in steps. We're going to get the tax exemption from there will be more attractive for donations mm-hmm. and then on. So I think time is, is definitely a challenge for us. Um, and then, you know, the lack of knowledge from others that are affecting the environment and we have to go and do our little rescue. <laughs> Yeah, I um I feel that big time. The organization that I, I work for, the Healthy Ocean Coalition, it's like, you know, we, we have a tiny team of people doing a lot. So, you know, we're kindred spirits in that in that sense and that we're very tired. Uh, but I yeah. think that's you know, that's kind of a common thing for smaller nonprofits. I know that large nonprofits are a totally different story, but there's so many of us like small nonprofit organizations out there that are just we're trying so hard but capacity yeah capacity and time and the amount of energy that we have inside of our bodies that's real that is um avoiding burnout to whatever extent that we can is um kind of a constant 
constant challenge and it is always front of mind for me for sure. So I appreciate you bringing that up. And, you know, because we also don't want to like fixate on, on the more challenging times, we, we really like to flip this, this conversation too, because there's a reason why, like you just said it, right? We're so passionate about what we do. There's a reason Mm -hmm. why we're doing this work um, because there is, there's so much joy that's found in it. And I think that there's a lot of rewards that are found in it as well. So I'd love to hear your reflections on just, you know, what brings you the most joy and what do you find most rewarding about this work? I, I even, yeah, you're right. Even though I could be like so tired, I'm like, Latino Conservation Week is coming this summer and I'm going to work hard so it runs well and I'm going to have fun and my volunteers are going to have fun and the people that come and participate are going to have fun. So it's just looking, it's like my, my playground, you know, it's, it's like, this is going to be the game making this event and then I make it and it's, I did it. And that's my reward. That's my award. Seeing people enjoying their time, um, connecting, learning, and, you know, hopefully we're giving them a little seat to grow in their hearts to share that information with others, teach others what they learn, and hopefully, you know, more people want to protect and conserve and do good for the environment. You see, I told you, Jenna, <clears throat> Fabi's doing the the lighthouse thing, being a, being a beacon. Yes. You know, you know, Latino Latino Conservation Week is huge in the year, and I'm I'm like that because I'm also thinking about my Latino Conservation Week week events Woo-hoo. and everything we gotta get done. I know. Also, speaking of people, all all three of us on this show, I was like, speaking of people who work their butt off, David, I'm like when do you even sleep? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like we have like three, three examples of people that just are like, go, 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 go all the time. Who, who has time to sleep? I'll sleep, you know, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm buried under, under the ground or <laughs> under the waves, you know, sometimes that's when I'll sleep, you know, and, and look, yeah. and it, it goes to show you Latino advocacy week is actually coming, coming up now. I think it's around March um, 24th through the 30th, if I'm not mistaken. And again, this is important because it's what we're doing is not just advocating, right? What we're doing is we're creating corridors, passages, you know, anchor points for people to jump on board and let's go, 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 go. Like you just mentioned, Jenna, I think that's very important. And to, to the point, you know, we've gotten to that point in our show, uh, listeners, where Abby's going to tell you exactly where to get in contact with her and exactly where to follow her on social media. Dima Fabi, where could our listeners learn so much more and do a deep dive with all the wonderful things that you do? Yeah. So you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube as conservation opportunity. Um, you can find me, um, on info at conservationopportunity.org. That's our email. Um, and if you are coming down to Puerto Rico and you want to do something fun and good for the environment, feel free to reach out. We might have some events during the time that you're here. And yeah, and you can have fun with us. And maybe, maybe if you have a business and you're having like a work meeting down here, we can do like a beach cleanup and, you know, a company getting together and 
spending some time to work on the environment and connecting. So yeah, just feel to reach out. We'll, we're happy to chat. Team yeah, building there's... in it. Team building in a Yunke. It, it sounds. Uh, <laughs> it sounds Jenna like. It sounds like we got to get uh, you know, Sarah and Jen, and we all just got to jump on a plane and do our team building down there with Fabi. You know, yeah. for the Healthy Oceans Coalition, and let let's get this going. <laughs> yeah, I think that's settled. I mean, I think that 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 um, we're on board. Let's do it. Let's find a date because it sounds amazing. Um, yeah, not too long ago, um, we had. I think, yeah, it was Hispanic Access Foundation had, um, what was it? It was like their climate counter still was, had a meeting here. Yep, and comité, I, yeah. yeah, the comité. So I had them go to our partner farm, Semila, and they helped to, you know, prepare the land for new plantations to happen. And they did this whole, like, um, the cacao tasting and the chocolate tasting because it's a cacao farm. So, mm. and for the listeners who don't know, chocolate comes from a seed that comes from a fruit. So um, <laughs> you can get to taste that and also taste chocolate made with it um, through this experience that we have at the Samila farm. And it's, it's amazing and really fun. I was laughing because I was like, oh, well, now I can sort of frame all the chocolate that I eat as I'm eating my fruit for the day. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't think that that works on the little the little diagram from like the, the, the surgeon general of like, what's your healthy diet like? We can't. But I will say that that intersects, though, Jenna, because mm -hmm. I tell my students that, you know, without bees, there are no seeds. So mm -hmm. if there if there are no seeds, there are no chocolate. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a sad world. And especially if we're leading up to if we're leading up to the the mass production of chocolate on on uh, on Valentine's Day, right? Oh yeah, I know what a timely uh, conversation to come out right before Valentine's Day. For... <laughs> right. <laughs> get get a dark chocolate. It's yeah. Yes, dark chocolate. And if you're proposing, you better do it on a beehive or one up it somehow. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yep. You got to start training the bees to come from nowhere with the little box. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But then yeah. the bees, yeah. but the bees then like bust out of like this like like dark chocolate hive. Oh and, man, and that would be the best of the best. I don't yeah. know how it's gonna happen, but it might happen. You know, for all your like, listeners out there, I'm sparking <laughs> the interest. Out of the end of the wand of the Patronus is the bees with the ring. <laughs> yeah. Facts. Yeah. Facts. Um, so Fabiola, before we wrap up, I have a series of questions that I ask all of my guests to, to sort of round out the show. Um, it's sort of like a lightning round, but way more chill because there's no time and you can, you can just, you know, take however long you want to respond and answer in any way that you want to. Um, so okay. the first question is, what do you think is the most pressing environmental challenge that we're facing? Yeah, I think I'd go back to um, lack of knowledge on that as well. Mm -hmm. um, lack, of, lack of knowledge can make people do poor decisions. And also, lack of knowledge doesn't help them know what they can do to help in whatever situation the environment is, is in at the moment. Um, 
going back to thinking about the whole like you know sunscreen or throwing your fish on the streams and throwing trash and all that i think lack of knowledge and what are you energized about moving forward growth i'm excited to continue growing and growing the nonprofit and growing as a person And then this last one is a two-part question. You can sort of answer one or both, whatever calls to you. So um, what is the best advice you've ever been given and or what advice do you have for our listeners? My advice is teach others what you learn. Because if you think something is really cool about the environment, go ahead go ahead and tell others because maybe they don't know about that and that could create you know some some appreciation and with more people appreciating nature is where conservation will be successful with us helping things move forward and helping our our environment i think that's beautiful and i think that that's a really nice um Reminder to folks out there listening, because this is something that I definitely deal with pretty constantly is that like imposter syndrome of should I speak up? Should I say something? You know, am I going to sound like a know-it-all if I say something? And it's like a lot of the times like we all contain so much wisdom within us that that um, we need to be, we need to share it, like get it out in the world. Let's build community and share knowledge. And I think that that is such an important thing to do to get to, um, you know, build the world that we want to live in. Mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful. Right. Yeah. And I think, and I think as we come towards again, I'm going to bring it up again, Valentine's <laughs> day. I think that it's very important to spread the love. And this is a shameless plug for Fabi because last year she had a series with Hispanic access called Cartas de Amor to our Aww. rivers. And so if you're out there listening, all you have to do is either go on Hispanic Access Foundation's website or go on YouTube and you will find her Cartas de Amor because we really not just love each other, we love our nature. Yes. Beautiful. What a way to like round this out because now I feel like, I mean, I already knew I loved David, but now I love you, Fabi. And now we have to go. We have to go. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So I just want to say thank you so much for joining us for this episode. I just, I appreciate everything that you're doing. I look forward to the eventual day that we meet because now it's going to happen. It has to happen. Um, and in the meantime, I look forward to sharing this conversation with the listeners and also, um, uh, you know, staying in touch with you and supporting your work. Thank you guys. I'm so happy to be here. Gracias. I'm also very proud of you all. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you, David, also for joining for this episode. I know this will not, you know, this is like a regular thing now. Like, (laughs) you're just, you like, I feel like eventually you're just going to become my permanent (laughs) co-host. Hey, ya ya tu sabe, you know, for all all of those people out there, you know, every show needs an Ed McMahon, you know? (laughs) Ed McMahon. (laughs) Every show needs an 
an Ed McMahon, you know, every every show needs somebody to sit there and be able to banter right off. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you. So thank you for co-hosting with me once again. Gracias, Jenna. I really, like I said, I, I, I'm always, you know, chipper-er when you reach out, for, reach out to me um, to be able to co-host because I think that one of the things that you have been able to cultivate on this podcast is you know a safe place for diverse voices from coast to coast and across and across the ocean to tell their story in a way that fills hearts and minds and challenges the status quo and i appreciate you oh well uh, that means a lot to me like my heart is like exploding with warmth and joy right now so thank you so much like honestly that means the world to me to hear um and you know i i also want to thank the listeners to all of you out there um you know if you like what you heard and you want to hear more of this show or others like it you can find the american shoreline podcast network wherever you listen to podcasts Subscribes, rates, and reviews are very much appreciated. Um, and if you're somebody that likes social media, you can connect with us online. We are at Coastal News 365 on Twitter and Instagram and the American Shoreline Podcast Network on Facebook. If you'd like to connect with me personally, I am at Jenna Valente on Instagram and at Yana Benna on Twitter. So please find us online and let's chat about our beautiful coastlines. <laughs> <laughs>